Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Creating the Future. Really excited to have my friend, Mike Dow, who's been a friend of mine for many years. And uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Dow for many, many reasons. Uh, He is a tremendous man of God, a a, uh, leader within the ministry that he serves and sharing the gospel all around the world and an all around great guy. And so I love I love Mike. And uh, excited to have him on the podcast today. And I wanted him to be able to share his story. You know, as we talk about creating the future from so many of us, maybe not everybody, but for so many of us, there's some kind of paradigm shifting moment in our life that we go from being one thing to another. And for a whole lot of us around the planet Earth, that paradigm shifting moment really happens around Jesus Christ. And I know there's some people you listen to this and you're like, whatever, just just listen, just hear us out. For a whole lot of people, in fact, they would say billions of people, a lot of people would say, uh, that paradigm shifting moment that propels us into the future of actually creating a better future happens with an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Mike uh, is one of those people that if he did not have an encounter with Jesus Christ, he would probably be in jail right now. He would probably maybe not even be alive right now. I don't know. I'll let him kind of share all that kind of stuff as he wants to. But hey, Mike, welcome to Creating the Future, buddy. Hey, Brent. Thank you so much, man, for having me on. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's go back. Um, I'm not sure how many years ago, I'll let you answer that, but let's go back a number of years ago, quite a few years ago now uh, in Brandon, Florida, which happens to be where my church is now. You don't even live in Brandon now. You're, you're, you're in Orlando. Uh, but in Brandon, Florida, uh, you are a mess and uh, uh, you don't even know anything about God or, or really have much background with God. You take the story from there um, and, and tell us your story. You know, I, I love the way you put it um, in saying that for most of us, we have a paradigm shifting moment. Yeah. Um, we grow up with a lens that we see life through. Um, it's the only way that we really know how to interact with people, circumstances. We are, if I could use the term, we're discipled in our homes in how to function in life. Yeah. Well, for me, man, like, I didn't grow up in a Christian house. I didn't grow up in a house where we went to church. Um, so that that's not even a part of like what was informing me right. on the way that certain expectations were supposed to you know, be created for life. Yeah. Mine was wildly the opposite, man. I mean, I remember going to one, maybe two church services my whole life and they were both Catholic services. Yeah. It was an Ash Wednesday. And the only reason that I remember that is because I couldn't understand like what was going on with the stuff (laughs) on the forehead. And, you know, these are younger years. These are like, you know, upbringing eight, nine, 10, that type of stuff. Well, man, then by 11, um, already experimenting with drugs and alcohol, Mm -hmm. 12 into a sexual lifestyle, um, problems in my house. uh, My parents um, getting into things like, Oh man, drug addiction, alcoholism, um, adulterous living. Uh, th- this was all normal to me. As a matter of fact, because we weren't really connected to anybody else. Right. 
I think about it regularly. I can't remember a single time where my family got together with another family to like go to the park, share a meal. Like we never had anybody over. I don't remember spending time inside anybody else's homes. Hmm. And the only reason that I say that is to say like what I was living, I thought was what everyone else was living. Right. Because I had never seen something different than what my experience was. It was your version of normal. Yeah. My version of normal. Yeah. And so growing up with that, man, my parents' relationship got worse. They ended up getting divorced. Um, I ended up um, just a down spiraling effect into deeper holes of drug addiction, alcoholism, sexual activity. Um, as a matter of fact, I ended up getting arrested 15 times. Um, I, <laughs> you say I ended up getting arrested. It sounds like you're going to end right there. Like I got arrested like once. No, you got arrested. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I was so bound to the lie that whatever satisfies you is what is best for you. Oh, wow. Um, I was a prisoner to my own self-satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that it's actually one of the worst forms of bondage, mm -hmm. um, which is why I love the way that you brought up Jesus. Yeah. Um, because pursuing Jesus actually is one of the only real ways to set me free from the pursuit of myself. Mm -hmm. um, but for years and years and years, and this ended up looking like a bunch of things, man, in and out of jail 15 times. I got expelled from high school, um, living a gang type life, uh, again, drug dealing, drug addicted. Through my sexual activity, I ended up getting a sexually transmitted disease mm -hmm. at 17. Um, I woke up with some let's just say Southern parts issues, right? Um, right. Went to the bathroom and started freaking out. Yeah. Um, called my mom. Got to get to the doctor. No, we can't go next week. Got to go today. Yeah. Um, went into the doctor's office when he ran a brief inspection of what was going on. He's like, this is super clear. We're going to do the blood work anyways. You have herpes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he told me like, man, it'll be a part of your life forever. This is now a part of your story, hmm. um, right? Another paradigm shift. This right. is now a forever part of your story. And why is it forever? Because science has no cure for this. The medical profession hasn't found an answer for this. We're going to issue you pills. We're going to prescribe you, but that's only going to hope to suppress the outbreaks, if you would. Yeah. Um, but he said, if you ever get married, you're never going to be intimate with a spouse without the transference of it. It's 100%. He's like, if your wife ever gets pregnant, You'll never be able to have children in a natural way without them being, and as I was told that day, quote unquote, tainted by your life's decisions. Wow. Um, now, this is at 17. Yeah. Right. So you would think that at this point, like, wake up, stupid. You know what I mean? Like, you're ruining your life. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I mean, obviously, your plan is not working. So that was um, kind of a step in that wake up call story. Yeah. You, you would think so, but it wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I went further into a nosedive into darkness. Yeah. Um, things got way worse. I got way worse. Um, all of my extracurricular activities ramped up to new levels. I, I hated my life. Yeah. I hated my life. I was angry um, because I thought that God created two types of people. Yeah. I thought that he created people that had this um, Disney Hollywood, you know, like fairy tale type ending, right? Uh, you know, nice marriage, couple of kids, 
a dog, white picket fence, successful job, no real tragic situations. Right. Um, and then I thought there were folks like me There's who lived in a perpetual state of suffering, yeah. um, sorrow, and lived their life with a lot of questions that nobody seemed to have answers for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was foundational for me when my house life um, ended up breaking up. Yeah. My parents got divorced. It was devastating. Um, and from there, things just got worse and worse and worse because I didn't understand anything about the world anymore that I thought was certain. Right. Right. Um, you know, but then, like you're mentioning, I ended up in Brandon. Yeah. Um, going to a church service, not because I was trying to do better. I wasn't trying to get right. I didn't even really believe that God existed. Right. Um, I actually met a girl out by USF. <laughs> and I was dating her yeah. and her parents told her, if your boyfriend will start coming to church, we'll let you spend more time with him. <laughs> it's always the girls that suck you in. Man. <laughs> Ta-da! Like that, that was my grand invitation to church. I don't know if it's theologically correct, but how many times has the Holy Spirit used pretty girls? I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, bro, there's a strong biblical case for that. <laughs> um, and so off to church I went. And man, I would go to church drunk. I would go to church high. I would go to church wasted. Right. Um, I had a five-year suspension on my license, so I couldn't drive myself. So people would come and pick me up um, and they would take me. And then I got to a day, um, which I remember the day. It is marked in my life. It's October 6, 2002. Um, I remember it because it was the day that I committed to go to a Sunday night service. Mm. Um, not because I just felt like I needed an extra dose of church service in my life, yeah. uh, but I was coming to fight one of the pastor's sons. <laughs> um, he had been talking to my girlfriend and he had looked me up and he had found my record and a bunch of other things about me. And he was sharing that with her and trying to convince her why she shouldn't be with me. And it, it was all true. <laughs> it, it was all <laughs> It's it was the same thing you was, do right now. <laughs> it was all true. Yeah. yeah. 100% of it. Um, but back in those days, man, I was a walking time bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just angry at life and everybody. And I fought all the time. I had restraining orders against a couple of malls, against a couple of Walmarts, against many of the clubs in Ybor City. Yeah. Um, just a walking time bomb. I just had issues. Everybody else was the problem. Um, but that night I went to church. Uh, with a backpack full of drugs. And because again, I was running a small street pharmacy. Um, So I was a business owner, I guess you could say, um, and stood outside the church doors with two friends trying to fight the pastor's son when he showed up. Mm. As as crazy as that sounds, um, nobody intervened. Nobody tried to stop. When he ended up there, it was a massive altercation and he sold me on fighting after church instead of before. (laughs) So I said, cool, man, I'll go in. I'll wait through another service. But when we come back out to the parking lot, like, bro, it's going down. Yeah. Um, And I went in and sat. And the only way that I know how to put it, because obviously I could get into a a larger story. Um, The only way I know how to put it is I got invited down to the altar. And I prayed a prayer at the end that I didn't believe in. I thought nothing was going to happen. I just wanted to get out of there. This place was a circus. 
It was the craziest place I had ever been in my life. Um, I thought I had seen wild stuff on the streets and in clubs and in bars and, you know, back alleys and what, like nothing readied me for what I was going through. And the pastor asked me, do you want to get saved tonight? I said, bro, I don't even know what that means. Saved from what? He said, okay, um, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? I said, oh man, bro, that question is worse than the first. Like, (laughs) who is that? And like, what would ask somebody into my heart? Like, come on, man. And I said, let's do this. Ask me a question that I can understand. You know, I've had almost 20 years in the church now. um, And I think we expect people to understand the language. Mm -hmm. Um, We hold them to a biblical accountability and expect certain standards out of their life. When to me, it was a foreign concept. Um, I felt so far from God in my own heart and in my own mind. I knew that I was living as a rebel. I already considered myself an enemy. Um, For the many people along the journey of my life that would, you know, rally up alongside me and tell me, hey, if you keep living the way you're living, you're going to go to hell. I didn't have to wait for an experience in hell. I already felt like I was living there. Mm. You know, my separation from God was torment. Um, I just didn't know that that's what I would have called it. Hmm. Uh, But anyways, so so I'm standing there and he's like, man, um, how about this? Would you make a decision right here, right now, tonight to lay your life down for God, to no longer live it for yourself, but to live it for him and for him alone? Hmm. And I was like, oh, bro, we could have started there. I was like, no, I've never done that. I was like, I understand that. I was like, I've never done that. He's like, do you want to do that tonight? And I'm thinking, whatever I got to do to get up out of this crazy place, like, bro, let's get it so I can get out of here. Like, I'm trying to smash somebody in the parking lot. I got plans. Like, man, I got a backpack full of stuff sitting on the pew. Like, I just want to get my stuff and get up out of here. Yeah. And he's like, repeat, repeat after me. Like, I'm going to help you pray. And um, man, I prayed this prayer. And again, it was all a show. I had no, no expectation of something happening. I just wanted to pray it real quick, beat up his son and like get back on to life. <laughs> yeah, and we forget that part of the story. You're there to beat up the guy who's praying for you and leading you in a prayer, son. Uh, <laughs> so this guy's mom led me to the altar. She felt like she was supposed to pray for me. Yeah. His dad is the one that's praying for me. And neither one of them know that I'm there with a desire to like, really do harm to one of their children. Did they really not know that? Like, you know, know I, I know them both and they're fairly perceptive. Of, I mean, he's a Puerto Rican raised in New York. You know, he's fairly perceptive. He's not like, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know. I'm sure he, he knew really something was going on. Okay. They knew something was going on, but they didn't know what. Okay. You know, but man, when I started praying, um, if you would have asked me, like, were you seeking God in that moment? I would have told you no, because I didn't really know what seeking God meant. I didn't know what it looked like or sounded like. Yeah. Um, But what I did know is that for months leading up to that, um, I had tried to join the military earlier that year. They wouldn't take me. Um, I skyrocketed the ASVAP, but because of my record, um, they were like, you're super brilliant, but you're a moron. You know, like (laughs) you're you're intelligent, but you're an idiot. Like, (laughs) um, you know, so put all that to say, I would walk the streets at night. When all the partying was done, the people were gone. Um, 
with tears running down my face and looking up into the sky, I would say things like, I don't know if, if you or who or what is even out there. Yeah. But what I do know is that if you're not real, I have no hope of being anything different mm-hmm. than where I am. Mm-hmm. This is all I know how to do. I knew I wanted to change, but I also knew that I myself had been rendered powerless to actually make that change. Yeah. And so standing there, I prayed. And as I prayed, um, the only way that I know how to communicate it is I came into a visionary type experience, an encounter Mm -hmm. where I saw a man that I knew was Jesus Christ. Wow. And when I saw him, I knew in this visionary experience that he was alive from the dead. He was the savior, not just of the whole world, but for my sins. Mm, Yeah. And when he saw me, he came running in my direction. He didn't stay afar off. He came running in my direction and he grabbed me and he embraced me and he held me um, and just started speaking things to me and over me that later I found out were in the Bible. Um, I, I didn't know that they were there because I had never read it. Um, 21 years old, never read the Bible, been to two Ash Wednesday services, max. Um, and man, it seemed like four or five seconds. But when I pulled my face out of my hands, um, I had been weeping uncontrollably. It was 45 minutes later. Wow. And this is my paradigm shifting moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was instantaneously a brand new person. Wow. Now, now, I don't want to make that sound, um, if I could say cheap or easy, yeah. um, because I was brand new, but I also had to learn how to walk out this new life. What, what does that mean to you that you say you were brand new, you were a new person? What does that mean to you? So to me, what I had known to be my life as normal, mm-hmm. the heavy weight, all of the pressure, Um, I didn't know that you could feel so light and so joyful Mm -hmm. until I experienced the the lifting of that burden, Mm -hmm. um, the shame associated with the life that I had lived, um, the guilt, the sense of always being condemned because of my choices, my actions, the other people that I had hurt um, throughout the course of all of my doing the things that I thought were satisfying me, um, but also... Also, not just to make it like this internal sense of serenity. um, Also, I was radically delivered from a desire for drugs, alcohol, lust, perversion, this rage because of the brokenness in my life. Again, I shared I was a walking time bomb. I fought anybody, everybody, everywhere. Um, This rage. I had been set free from this anger and this rage and this like desperate Um, expression of my brokenness. Um, I was a different person so much so that it was, it was wild to me. Yeah. How do you, how do you explain that apart from Jesus Christ and the Holy spirit, apart from being spiritual, is there an explanation for that? Um, I don't think that you can get enough counseling um, because counseling and, and this is not this is not to sound offensive, critical, or to minimize. Um, I, I do counseling myself in a variety of ways. Yeah. Um, our hope is not in suppression. Mm-hmm. Our hope is in transformation. Yeah. And I find that this is the promise and the hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You no longer have to be what you've always been. I'm not just going to make you a better version of the old thing. I'm not just going to empower you to suppress all of the things that you don't like that have been problematic. I'm not just going to train you how to hide those things. I'm actually going to transform those things. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You know, we are a new version of human, if I could say it that way. God puts his spirit in us Mm -hmm. and makes us a brand new thing rather than us trying to polish up the old thing. Yeah. Um, And so for me, I don't think there, and now I'm grateful for all of those types of things, AA meetings and, you know, counseling sessions and all of that types of stuff, but we're not trying to train the old man. Right. We want to transform the old man. Well, this is so key to the conversation because hopefully listening to this is going to be some atheists and agnostics and and such. It's just interesting to me because even if you were to go to counseling and that helps you and helps you to become better, you weren't going for counseling. You weren't even wanting to be there. This is a complete outside force that interrupts your life and starts it on a new path. You weren't, you weren't looking for anything, you know, maybe deep down somewhere, maybe you were, I guess, but, but in that moment, you certainly weren't. And it wasn't a six months of counseling or, a, you know, two years of counseling. And that doesn't mean you don't have to walk it out. Sure. But it was an instantaneous change from, yeah. say it this way, instantaneous change triggered from an outside source. Yeah. And that's that big question. What is that outside source? You believe that's, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. So do I. But anybody listening to this, you really have to wrestle with that question. What is that outside source? that not only does Mike Dow have this amazing testimony, but you know, billions of people over the, around the world have this kind of testimony, maybe not quite as extreme, sure. but they have that same kind of testimony that there is an outside force that has triggered a paradigm shifting moment to never be the same. And that's one of the big differences, I think, between Christianity and a lot of other religions. I mean, Buddhism will teach you how to be a better person. And there's a lot of really good practical Buddhist skills, you know, with meditation and and deep thought and philosophy, a lot of good skills, and it can teach you how to be a better person and do it long enough and you can be a better person. But at some point, is there an outside force that makes you not just a better person, but a different person instantaneously that again, you still have to work out. You still have to walk those things out. It's not like you never have another temptation or whatever. That's foolish. But instantaneously uh, being changed. Yeah. All right. right, So, so you're in this place, God's radically shifting your life. Kim, let's, let's keep taking it from there. Um, You know, I I mean, so that would have been October. Um, Shortly thereafter, it would have been January of 2003, because again, uh, I was set free in a lot of ways and it was beautiful. It was real. It, It wasn't, you know, some manufactured emotional, you know, sensation, Um, it's something that actually stuck. Yeah. Um, but it's January and I'm in the same church Mm -hmm. because again, there was a lot of things that happened, but I was still sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and in January, I remember being in a service and the pastor sharing a message about miracles and, and things of that nature, um, which I had already experienced a miracle. I was a brand new person, right? But I responded that morning and they Um, just share it like it happened. They laid their hands on me. They prayed a simple prayer because I told them I was sick. I was still dealing with enough shame that I didn't want to tell them exactly what I needed prayer for. Right. I just said, I'm sick. 
So for um, clarification, right now, when you say sick, you're really talking about the STD, the herpes. I am. I'm talking about herpes. Um, and I said, I, I just need prayer because I'm sick. There was still like enough of the weight of the shame to not be able to share it um, yeah. with other people. Um, not, not that I felt like I couldn't share it, but the, the perspective, mm-hmm. you know, the association of how they would have thought about me now. Um, and man, they prayed for me. And it honestly, it felt like somebody dumped a hot bucket of water wow. on my head. And I felt something like a hot liquid sensation run down from the top of my head over my body. Hmm. Um, amazing, right? Great. I go home to take my pills because I hadn't taken my pills that day. Mm-hmm. And I extended my arm into the drawer where I used to hide my pills. Yeah. Cause I didn't just leave them sitting out on a countertop somewhere in case people came by. Right. And when I extended my arm for my pills, I felt like a voice spoke to me from the inside hmm. and said, you don't need those anymore. Wow. And just to make it short and sweet, um, now doctors don't understand <laughs> why yeah. a sexually transmitted disease that still to this day, there's no cure for right. medication has not found a way to solve it entirely. Um, again, the hope of the medical profession is to suppress the outbreaks Um Doctors cannot look me in my face and tell me why. Yeah. One blood report shows that for years it was there and it's no longer there. Wow. Yeah. It's no <laughs> longer there. That's so amazing. Yeah. My wife is perfect. Um, we just celebrated 14 years of marriage. I have four children that are all whole and perfect. I have two boys and two girls. And we have a fifth baby that's yeah. coming yeah. here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and all five of them are healthy and whole, and it is mind-boggling to the medical profession. Right. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And, and that's what happens when you get this outside force that steps in, because there's some things yeah. you can do on your own. And even as Christians, we're required to do on our own. You yeah. know, I know you're a big believer in fasting. That's one of those kind of things. So there's these disciplines we're required to do on our own to strengthen ourselves but I think that's part of the difference in Christianity and other religions is you have an outside force that is helping you on the journey that can step in and create and do miracles in our midst. Uh, All right, so that was many years ago now. So let's catch us up real fast. Uh, I, I think there's a funny story there of uh, who your wife is now in context of this story. And so let's start there and then just, you know, where, where, what's the future hold for Mike Dow? Sure. So um, my wife now is not the girl that I was dating that invited me. Um, But five years after that experience um, in October of 2002, five years later, I ended up marrying the pastor's daughter. Yeah. Um, So now my brother-in-law is the guy that I was there (laughs) that night trying to fight. Um, Man, my mother-in-law is the one that felt to pray for me. And my father-in-law is the one that actually led me in that series of prayers to the Lord. So cool. Um, You know, now, like I said, um, it's, it's almost 20 years in, Um, man, we've just found just, just the call or, or an invitation um, to the world and in a variety of contexts, whether it be church services, dirt fields, 
um, auditorium stadiums, where, wherever it may be that we end up, um, really the heart of it is to lead people to the one that came looking for me. Yeah. Um, to bring them to an encounter um, with the one, right? We know Jesus Christ um, that made me a brand new person that became the savior of my life, washed my sins away in his blood. Um, you know, we've just given our life to that. And so that's looked like a lot of crazy stuff, you know, over the years, um, traveling the world, preaching, teaching. So, so I know you don't like accolades and so I won't make this bigger than it should be, but just, just as a realistic view, you were a drug addict for people listening. You were a a drug addict selling, selling drugs, expelled from school, arrested 15 times, flip the script. How many books have you written? Eight. Eight books. What degree do you have now? Um, so I have a theology degree and a business degree. A theology degree and a business degree. How many countries have you preached in or, or been to? I, I would say easy 30 countries, maybe to try to be conservative. I don't want to inflate it. Maybe 30 countries. Yeah. My, my point is that is how that paradigm shifting moment. That's what this podcast is about right now. Those paradigm shifting moments that change everything in the future. Yeah. A real honest appraisal, not trying to be, you know, whatever, a real honest appraisal. Where would you be today apart from that paradigm shifting moment? Sure. At that, because um, this was two weeks after my 21st birthday. Yeah. Um, at that moment, having just turned 21, I did not anticipate living past 30. Yeah. I knew that I was either going to die out on the streets, that I was going to die in a jail cell somewhere. Um, or that some sort of disease other than the one that I already had was going to, you know, ravage my health. Um, I, I honestly, I did not see myself living beyond 30 years old. Yeah. You know, that, that was just the intensity of my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's the difference that Jesus Christ can make. So yeah. that, that's the beauty of this paradigm shifting moment. All right, Mike, uh, as we wrap everything up, uh, talk about your ministry. If people want to follow you. How do they do that? What's your website? All, all that kind of stuff. Sure. We're everywhere. Um, you know, our website is burningones.org. Um, so burningones.org. Um, you can look for us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever. All, all, the, all the normal places, you know, we're, we're there. Okay. So if they want to get your books or anything like that too, that's on Burning Ones? So you can go to burningones.org, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Kindle, you can go to iBooks, you know, um, yeah, physical copies, digital readers, all, yeah, we've got them in all. Those, you just say anywhere, anywhere books are sold, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get them out there everywhere. Mike, yeah. it's been so good to have this conversation with you, man. I'm just a big fan from a distance. I have been for many years. Uh, love what you're doing. Keep creating the future. Let's all make a better future for this world. And so keep creating the future, man. God bless you. Awesome. Bless you, man. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.